This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Today we are talking to Susan Cottrell. Uh, she's incredible, and I discovered her via Instagram because of her nonprofit, Freed Hearts. Susan, will you just tell the whole God is Great audience a little bit about Freed Hearts, the nonprofit, what it's about, and... Just a tiny bit of your backstory before we jump into all the nitty-gritty. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I'm a mom of five kids. My husband and I raised them in the evangelical church. And, um, you know, we were a fixture in the church. And then our daughter came out at 20 years old. And we instantly knew we'd no longer fit in the church again. Mm. And which was really disheartening to re- to realize that what we thought was embracing community, we knew it wouldn't be, and it turned out it was not. And so um, anyway, so it just turned our lives upside down in that it showed us uh, everything we thought we understood about community was, was just false. And so I started Freed Hearts. Because I knew, you know, my daughter was safe and her sister, her young, the, our youngest one came out about two years after the first one did. And so um, we have two out of five, but it's okay. I always tell everybody it's okay. We love the straight ones too. <laughs> <laughs> so when our girls came out though, what it did was it showed us, we have to rethink our faith community mm. and um, we quit going to the church and we embraced our daughters and we, we had, it took some months to deconstruct our belief system to understand why what we'd been taught was false. Um, but that was, that was our journey and we knew it was important to do that. We did not reject our girls because there are girls and you don't reject your girls for any reason. Mm. Um, and once we came to understand it, it was, I don't know. It was just so easy to love this community. So, but we started Freed Hearts because I realized that a lot of kids don't have that community and don't have um, parents that support them and they need to be, they need to know they're good. So it's just been a real joy to do that. I love that. Um, You've, you've said so many things very casually that I actually think <laughs> are quite stunning and very rare and very deep, you know? Yeah. So I'd love to like unpack it almost one sure. time. Um, you know, first of all, I think I'm just curious to know your initial reaction. Like, in that moment coming from evangelicalism and, and having a set, you know, standard of rules and thoughts. First of all, yeah. I'm wondering, did you formally believe that being gay was a sin? Were you like drinking that Kool-Aid of like, this is wrong, undoubtedly? Here's where I stood. And I think this is very common for parents. Um, I did not view it as a sin. And personally, I'm not a big person about well, this is a sin and that's a sin and God's going to be mad. I've never been like that. But 
I did believe because of the church saying it's wrong, I believed that somehow something had happened to thwart that person's sexual experience. And so now they're gay. Mm. And so I believed that it was from wounding. Gotcha. And I think that's quite common because, you know, it, it's the only thing that you can assimilate to say, okay, they're gay and they're not supposed to be, but I know they're not just this sinful person. They're not. So what is it? Well, they must've been hurt. Mm. And so that happened. That's, that's what I believed. Gotcha. Um, but so my reaction when she came out was, and the way she presented it. So I'm sharing, I'm sharing this with her, this responsibility of how we reacted, but she said, uh, you know, I'm same sex attracted because that's the language she had. Right. But she said, but I've resisted it. I've tried to fight it. I think I'm, and it won't go away. I think I'm bisexual. And so, and she, she was at the point that she was still fighting it. And in my ignorance, and that was just what she had learned. And so I said, well, you know, what can we do to help you fight it? Well, I'll be there, whatever I can do for you, mm. I'll do for you. Um, but it was only, but it was, I, I just, it didn't resonate that fighting it was actually going to work. Somehow that didn't resonate. And because I knew gay people that they're not going to be not gay, no matter what, how much they fight it. Right. And so anyway, it was just a few months later when she said, and, and keep in mind, she'd been, of course, trying to assimilate it for a long time before she actually told me. So it was not new to her as right. your audience knows. <laughs> right. <laughs> but a few months later, she said to me, I um, am done fighting it. I'm dating women now. And I've never been at more peace with God than ever in my life. And I was like, okay, okay. Well, peace with God, that's the, that's the goal of the relationship with God is being at peace with God. If you're at peace with God, being who you are, great. I'm delighted for you. And I, it, it was seriously so, such a relief to realize this is just who she is and she doesn't have to fight anymore. Gosh, I just want to cry that she didn't have to fight anymore. Didn't have to fight who she is. Yeah. What a horrible thing it is to have to fight who you are. I mean, I just, I know I'm just cherishing your heart on this and I'm so grateful that you are this mama bear that you are. Mm -hmm. And I think in that statement, what strikes me is, you know, there's definitely a lack of empathy and there absolutely can be and should be when people are in, in situations where they're being very hurt by yes. their parents, by their leaders, whatever. Um, but there is a lack of empathy for those parents and leaders when in reality, we've all been taught these toxic yes. messages again and again and again. Yes. And it's never, you know, something you say on your website that you clarify is that we weren't coming from some fundamentalist church that was like, you know, a Ku Klux Klan of some kind and like right. really out to destroy the fabric of society and really out to harm people and, right. and, you know, force people into submission of our beliefs. Like that is not where evangelical people are coming from on this issue. We're coming, we have been coming from this place of God is unhappy with the sin of right. homosexuality and we are all trying to protect each other from that. Yes. So all of that said, it's really interesting to hear that I could the way unpack that too. What you just <laughs> casually said, we could unpack that so many pieces in that too. Well, <laughs> and, and we should, this is just the yes. beginning of the conversation. Yes. Um, but that said, it's like, so that's the whole groundwork for you and your daughter's initial interaction, which was yes. you. First of all, I love that you said it didn't resonate because that's yes. how I always felt about the LGBTQ issue. I'm like, I know you guys are jamming this down my throat, it's not resonating. I'm trying right. to assimilate that thought into myself. It doesn't make sense. Um, but anyway, I think the thought that somehow they could change. Yeah. That they yeah. could change yeah. or that they were even wrong at all. It just right. didn't resonate right. at all. Yeah. And then the combative statement to that from a lot of evangelicals is, well, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's <laughs> Satan, you so know, convincing you, just, you. Let me give you a, a, a nutshell on that. Please do. <laughs> These people, this LGBTQ community, I have 
the ones who have, I have grown up in their churches. I have never seen a more committed to doing the right thing by God group of people. Never. They are so wanting to do the right thing. And that's why they're tearing their hair out. They're trying to be straight. Mm. They're going, they're crying into their pillows every night because they want to do the right thing. These are not rebellious people from the Romans one verse, you know, they're heart, they're like, they're doing, inventing ways to destroy God. This is not this community. Mm. And the, and so they're in their prayer, they're really seeking answers. And so you have somebody else saying, well, the heart is deceitfully wicked. So in other words, don't trust the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said will lead you in all truth. Amen. Right? Not the Bible, not Mm -hmm. verses, but the Holy Spirit. No, don't trust that because your heart is wicked. Excuse me, I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit here. (laughs) What are you telling me not to trust the Holy Spirit for? And if, you know, what are you telling me about my heart for? You were judging my relationship you're judging my gender or sexuality and do you don't you come from a deceitfully wicked heart maybe you need to be talking to the holy spirit directly about your deceitfully wicked heart not telling me to talk to to the spirit about my heart okay Mm. and then let's convene later in peace okay (laughs) that's basically what that relationship needs to be Mm. did you follow all that it's like don't tell me how my heart's deceitfully wicked because I don't believe what you want me to believe who, if I have a, that heart, you do too. So maybe you need to not voice that on me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we started this conversation, I was just explaining to you that a lot of audience, people that are listening right now are younger, are not the parents. They are the victims of these ideas. And that includes heterosexual people. I've, I was a victim of these ideas and that, you know, and I'm not going to compare my journey to that of an LGBTQ person, but it was a struggle for me as well. It caused a lot of pain and torment in my head. So I can only imagine what it does to someone that it's affecting directly. So that said, we did want to focus on addressing the children and youth, you know, the people that grew up with parents like this that are maybe still battling, that are maybe the ones that are still crying in their pillow at night. And um, maybe try to address some of the common things you come up against when you're discussing this with parents, because I'm assuming parents are approaching freed hearts for community and for answers. Yes. Is that right? That's right. And we give them the answers. Answers are not difficult. They're not difficult. Jesus was very clear to, to, when he said, love God and love others. And everything else will line up under that. And every time, here's the context you have to come to when people tell you you're sinning, you're wrong, God's mad at you, any of that. You have to look at the religious leaders of Jesus' time who brought that kind of argument to Jesus all the time. They tried to trip him up all the time mm-hmm. with things they said, like, well, look at that person. Well, look at that person. They're in sin. What do you say about them? And Jesus was like, it, the only harsh words he had were for that group of meddlers, busybodies, jumping in on other people's situation. And so he says that today too, to pastors, to others who would try to tell you you're wrong. I just read the worst article in the world um, about that is not happy about Starbucks being transforming. And I'm like, why are you in the middle of this? Are you trans? Is your child trans? Then maybe you need to just zip your, your white male mouth <laughs> and let other people who actually, whose lives are deeply affected, let them speak. Um, and why are we point. resting on corporations to lead our morality anyway? Like who cares about right. Starbucks? No. <laughs> it's this, it's this church privilege. Christianity has been so privileged in our country and, but not even Jesus Christianity. It's evangelicalism Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get off on too many rabbit trails. <laughs> there's just, I want to say to your audience that you are beloved. You are worthy. 
as you are. You have a place in this universe. You have a place in the world that you're in right now, in this time and space. And you don't need to let other people tell you that you're wrong. If you have a relationship with God and that's your the thing that is bothering you because you don't want to hurt God, as, as you've been told you probably will if you're gay or trans, uh, I, then you talk to God. You talk to the Holy Spirit that Jesus said will lead you in all truth. And if that's triggering or hard for you, which I don't blame you if that's true because of all those things that have been said about that God to you, maybe you can find it in your heart to talk to Jesus as a go-between because you read all about Jesus. He's awesome. (laughs) And just say, you've got to help me understand this because I'm really feeling awful because of all these things that have been said to me. And I don't want to think that way about myself. You shouldn't think that way about yourself. So ask the Holy spirit, ask Jesus, whoever you can trust in your in your situation and, and ask for clarity, ask for arms around you, wrapping you up in love and let them be the one to lead you. And when, you know, your parents, God bless them. They mean well, they do, but they, if, if they were taught the same things we were taught, then they're terrified and they're terrified for you, but they're also terrified for them because their world that they have, that has been put together for them by their church belief system is starting to fall apart. And it's very scary when that happens. And so, but don't let their terror be your terror. And that's, it's easy to say it's can be very hard to do, but that's why I direct you. If you can go straight to the source boldly, uh, approach the throne of grace, Jesus says, and say, I'm, I'm hurting here. I need to know you're okay with me. And sometimes God doesn't even answer right away because there's so much in our heads that we can't hear it. But you can say, I need you to hug me and hold me and know and tell me I'm okay. And listen for that. And if you feel anything like that, you need to believe it, the positive, and try to just put all the negative on the side. Um, you've been so terrorized by, you know, God's judgment against you. But that, that kind of God, again, every time the religious leaders brought that God uh, to Jesus, he was like, you do not understand God at all. Mm. Read Uh, Matthew 23, where Jesus blasts the religious leaders to get a flavor for how he feels about what our religious leaders today are doing to you in this community, to us who support you, because it is as far from God as could be. So really let that soak in and, um, and take comfort in the fact that you're created exactly the way you're supposed to be. You are. A one young trans man was saying, you know, my family says I was knit together in my mother's womb, just exactly the way God wanted me. So why am I trans? And I said, yeah, you were knit together as your mother in your mother's womb as trans. <laughs> and he was like, oh my gosh, of course, that makes so much sense. God created you that way. So you know, it'd be, it'd be really difficult for somebody else to say, no, God didn't, you know, they're always saying God doesn't make mistakes. Well, I know we're not the ones who are saying God made mistakes. You're saying that you're saying trans is a mistake. You're saying gay is a mistake. Come on now, people. (laughs) Well, I think that, um, one really interesting thing you brought up is if you're not comfortable talking to the God figure that has been presented to you as this condemning, yeah. harsh, cruel, brutal force, yes, then choose another figure that makes yes. you more comfortable and feel more yes. safe. And that's right. you know, and I think it's really interesting too that if we believe as we say we believe, 
then yeah. we are all saying as Christians, even evangelicals, that Jesus was God manifest on earth, the right. true representation of God's heart walking among us. Right. And if while he walked on earth, he never condemned homosexuality or, you know, right. he never talked about any of these issues. He was yeah. friends with people that were in complicated situations in their That's life. That's right then how can we say that he wasn't reflecting right. God, God and that they're one in the same? That's so like, right. and it's hard. It's a journey that I had to go on as well. And I think I'm finally almost nearing the end of that journey. <laughs> it takes a while to be like, Jesus, protect me from that God. You yes. know, that's terrifying. I know yes. he is terrifying and you're our go-between, but it's like, no, Jesus was the reflection. That's right. Jesus is the manifestation. So he showed you his character. He showed you yeah. who he is. And he was the one that was overturning tables on our behalf, saying, yes. this is wrong. You guys are doing this wrong. And we, we that, I love that. And the, and the thing is that we kind of view God, Jesus, if we're Christian, as Jesus is kind of the, he's kind of our cool big brother. We really like him. He, he lets us hang out with him sometimes, which is really cool. <laughs> but he kind of, what, but he's also a go-between, between kind of our alcoholic father. I respect, <laughs> okay? This is. But how God has been presented is, you know, he, he's presented as he, mm -hmm. uh, you know, don't make it, he's wonderful. He loves you completely unless you piss him off. And then he's going to, you know, throw you into a burning fire for all eternity. It's like, how can you love a God like that? Yeah. And so, by the way, let me just say that a friend of mine wrote a book about hell. I will be glad to send it free as a PDF to anybody who emails me. And, and, uh, in case hell is a worry for you, I won't say too much more, but if we think that a God who, who loves people, the way Jesus said, God loves us would throw you into a burning, but not consuming fire. So you're tormented for eternity. Let me send you this book. It'll answer every scriptural objection you can possibly think of or moral objection. So just email me at freedhearts at gmail.com or through the website. And I will send you this um, free PDF. It's fascinating because right. no one should be lying in bed at night wondering if they're going to burn for all eternity in hell. Nobody. I love it. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. I will be emailing you for that. Okay. <laughs> I think one thing above all else that's coming across in this conversation is that you are a mama bear. <laughs> yes. You are yes. obviously a fierce protector. And yes. this has like risen up in you as a yes. mama. And yes. I love, and I hope that everyone listening that's experiencing this feels that ferocious, protective, yes. that's going to make me cry, a ferocious, protective love of yes. true love of a mother that yes. is standing in the gap if any of you don't have that sort of support system, Susan and Freed Hearts are standing in the gap as your ferocious mama bear protecting yes. you. Because right. so often we've been told that love is telling people you're going to go to hell for being who you are. I'm right. telling you this out of love so you don't right. go to hell. And it's like, that's not love because that's not full acceptance of it's a not. person in their totality. And right. when you're a fragmented person, when you're hiding pieces of yourself, when you're trying desperately to become something that you're not, yes. you are compartmentalized, you're not whole, and therefore you're not reflecting right. the image of the creator that made you who you are. Right. So like, what do you say to people that say that is love telling people they're going to go to hell? Well, it's not love. I mean, every, everything that we see Jesus do, he never showed that as being love that you tell people that, that God hates them or God's God loves them, but is sending them to hell, which, okay, well, that feels like hate to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, when anybody who, who, so the only people Jesus got mad at were people who told other people that God was not satisfied with them, that they weren't good enough. Mm. That is the only people Jesus really got mad about because they are, they are maligning the character of God to these innocents who, who are believing them. 
because they're the, the religious leaders. And so um, it is not love to tell somebody they're going to hell. It's not love to tell somebody God is not happy with them. It's like we've got a, a, a couple of kids at home. The parents are out. And the older brother says to the little one, daddy's going to be so mad at you when he gets home. And you're, he's going to, he's going to probably kick you out of the house. Don't big brothers or sisters sometimes say that to the little ones? Like, yeah. you're not even going to be able to live here anymore. And the kid's like, oh my gosh, help me. You know, it's not true. It's not true. Why don't you let dad or mom speak for themselves without interference from that older sibling who is, is hurting that little one. And that's how the, that's how Jesus felt about the religious leaders that interfered with these little ones. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. Better that you, you know, have a millstone around your neck and you're thrown in the sea than you hurt these little ones. That's the verse that, that you need to take to the, you know, take into your heart. That's how he felt about people who would lie to you about how God feels about you. Mm. Well, I would also just say to play devil's advocate. And in this case, I think it's truly the devil. (laughs) Um, What about the scriptures? Everything you're saying is just based in emotion. And why should we trust you? Why should we actually believe what you're saying when we have the Bible here to tell us? And I know I have a quote from you saying the Holy Spirit not scripture will lead us to all truth. Yes. I do believe that. But at the same time, we are dealing with parents and father figures and mother figures, pastors that conflate God with the Bible. How do we get around that? That's right. Well, the Bible has been misinterpreted in many ways. None of us are old enough to remember that slavery, which really existed in our country, where a whole community of African-Americans were brought over to be slaves. Not that long ago, by the way. (laughs) Not that long ago. And the Bible was used to justify it. Okay. Now, either it's a different time and place that is out, that's anachronistic, not that's out of time with who we are now in this country, or it was, or it's been misinterpreted. But that is not, you know, we have overcome that as a nation to some degree, at least we don't slaves. That's that much. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the Bible has been used to keep, to make women, uh, to make women property. All kinds of things have been done in the name of the scripture, but you can't just pull one out of of the hat and say, oh, this condemns you. Here, sorry to say it. I, I hate to say this to you, but this scripture condemns you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't think you really hate to say it that much. But second of all, it doesn't condemn me. It's been interpreted that way. On, um, think in my resources, I have a resource about what does the Bible really say about homosexuality. In my book, Mom, I'm Gay, which is profound in its directness and simplicity and it's great for parents i go over all the old testament verses and all the new testament verses all of them there are seven max but i go over all of them um and i'll link that for all of you guys the book is mom i'm gay yes um written by susan yeah and all of everything i do is on freedhearts.org so you can even email me through that as well uh and, and if your parents are willing, send them to me to be in the mom's group or the dad's group. We will get them in. We're very gentle. We're very loving. We really um, have helped a lot, a lot of parents come to terms and, and understand scripture in a much more clear way than they ever did. So, but they, um, so invite them to message me, to email me, and I will get them in these groups and they'll just love being in there. They'll find so much joy and peace. If a parent, let me just say this too, if a parent is unwilling to reach out to somebody who can um, speak to them where they are right now, if they're unwilling to have that conversation and many Christians are unwilling, then they have really lost the right 
to speak to you about this. Mm. If they're so, if all they're concerned with is maintaining what they already believe and they're not willing to talk to somebody who can really have the conversation with them as we do in these groups, then they have excused themselves from being relevant to this conversation because all they're going to do is say what they've already believed and been spoon fed through church. And you don't have to answer somebody who's unwilling to talk to somebody who's actually equipped to talk to them. And that's not just their child. So (laughs) don't put yourself in a rigorous place having to answer parents who won't talk to anybody else, you know, with some knowledge about it. I don't mean you don't have knowledge. I just mean a peer parent who can really, who's been through this road and can help them. Right. So that makes sense. You follow that? Of course. And I, I yeah. love, I see the claws, the bear claws coming out again <laughs> and I love it. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's just worth, I'm just going to reiterate it again. Absolutely. If you are in a toxic situation or relationship yeah. with anyone. And I know it's easier said than done. It's got to be excruciating to break away from a parent or loved one. But at the end of the day, if it's, you know, heart hurting you, if it's causing you pain, if it's not allowing you to live in your fullness, if their voice is so loud screaming at you that you can't even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, let alone your own intuition or anything, then you need to excuse yourself and like Susan is saying, you have, you don't only need to, but you actually have every right to, and it's not your fault that you have to leave the situation. Right. It's their choice to not meet you in that gap of understanding and belief and try to fill that gap with truth, with nuance, yeah. with other people's experiences and to go in an open heart to a group like Freed Hearts and be like, I'm totally against this. I disagree with Susan, but I'm just going to dip my toe in here because my child is in pain. Right. You know, they really have to do that for you. Otherwise you're right. They don't deserve the relationship. Yeah. They're just not, they're just not up for it. They just, they're not up for it. So they don't get to have it. Yeah. What do you think causes people to just stagnate in that place of like, I believe it. It's true. It's done. Well, our churches teach that our conservative, our evangelical, non-affirming churches teach certainty. They don't teach trust. Mm. They don't teach trust in God. Right. They may say, you know, oh, I'd go to Africa if God called me to be a missionary there. Okay. But would you love your child who came out? Would Hmm. you do that? Um, So, and love that feels like love, not love that feels like not love. Right. Uh, So, but the the churches that I just described teach certainty. It's the cult of certainty that we have the answers already. So don't confuse me of facts because we've already got my mind's made up, you know? Yeah. And so it's very hard in that paradigm to say, but I'm not certain about this because uncertainty has been interpreted in that paradigm <clears throat> as doubt, as mm. lack of faith. Wow. But it's yeah. not it's not certainty in God because they're not asking God and hearing this from God. They're asking religious leaders who, according to Jesus, are the least trustworthy. <laughs> the least trustworthy. That's true. No, that's that's such a trip. I, yeah. I bang my head against walls talking yeah. to evangelicals at times who say, I don't need your supplementary materials. I don't need your books right. about affirming. Right. I already, I have the Bible, which is right. my sole source of truth. Right. And I'm like, what do you not understand about someone had to teach you the Bible? Yes. Right. You can just pop out of the womb and start reading it and make your interpretation right. and be like, oh, I get it. It's so clear. Right. It's like, PNs. And someone interpreted it to get yeah. it into a language you can understand. <laughs> right. And many people interpreted along the way and many new additions. All of those went through the hands, the minds of people. So mm-hmm. don't, it's such a false belief. It's kind of like the same thing as a self-made man. Like I didn't get anybody's help. Oh, really? How did you learn to speak English? First of all, <laughs> how did you feed yourself as an infant? <laughs> yeah, nobody's help. Okay. Oh, you don't mean, okay. You just mean, you don't want to acknowledge help you got. Okay. 
great. Um, wow. So, but it's the same thing with, we think, well, I interpret the Bible all by myself. And I, no, you were taught interpretations that didn't come to you in a, you know, from the sky. It came to you through thousands of years of hands that changed it, that, that modified it. Why do we have a thousand versions of the Bible? Because everybody had a different take on it. That's why. You don't think that's already been interpreted for you? But right. you can't say that to the, the cult of certainty because they don't want to not have certainty. It's been, you know, tantamount to lack of faith in God. But it's not. It's lack of faith in your religious leaders. Well, they deserve to be not, you know, us not to have our faith in them. We shouldn't have our faith in them. And, and let me just say, the, the moms and dads who actually did say, okay, I, I didn't know what to do about my child. I was so confused, but I just prayed and I said, God, what do I do? And the things they hear are things like, I've got your child. There's nothing wrong with your child. You just love them. Let me do the rest. I'll give you the answers in due time, but you need to love your child. Those are the things they're hearing. Nobody has come back to me and said, I prayed about it. And God said, kick out your child. So I know how many people are asking for God's permission or blessing to kick their child out of the house. And I don't think, I mean, I don't I mean, think that, they're doing no. much with God in relationships. Exactly. I'm yeah. just, I can't imagine that's not the God that I know. No. It, that seems like a rash decision based in fear. It is and, totally based in fear. But that's an interesting challenge to be like, I yeah. challenge you to just tell me if the Holy Spirit gave you permission to right. kick your child out of the house. Yes. Just let me know if the Holy Spirit guided you to that. And I asked a, a couple of close relatives of mine who are not affirming I asked them, I said, have you asked them? They, they really think I'm way off track. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, have you asked the Holy Spirit what the Spirit wants you to know about me, about the Holy Spirit's relationship with me, like what you should be thinking about me? And I haven't gotten an answer. Yes, I did. And the Spirit said, you know, you're wrong. I've never gotten that answer back. What's uh, the answer? Just deflection? They, they just don't answer it. They just don't answer it because... They're not used to addressing the Holy Spirit directly in a way that could go counter to their certainty. Right. And I I will just say that it is very scary because I went through my whole deconstruction phase and everything. And you have to face that moment where you're like, if I take this path, if I go on this journey of asking questions, I might lose my faith. I might no longer believe in Jesus and you have to confront that before you can even begin the journey. And I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying when I was terrifying. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, I do hold people accountable for not going on that journey when they're gravely hurting the people that they love and they're hurting themselves. But do I not, do I comprehend it? Absolutely. Like, Because that is the first step to deconstructing a, right. a something that you apparently know. And yes. that is, I might realize that I don't know a lot of other things that I feel so certain of. Right. And, it, and, and they learned to be that way. You know, they, they learn to speak English and they may go learn French, but they're always going to have an American accent if they grew up in America, because that's just how it is. And the, the, um, the certainty they were taught in their churches is very, very deep. And it's there until you really let God deconstruct it until you're willing to say, Oh, I don't think I, I could, I could be wrong here yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for, for a faith that really asks humility of us. It's funny how few Christians that are non-affirming I've met who, who say I could be wrong here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's a little terrifying. Yeah. It's, it's a fear based mentality. And I also just want to address the real reality and gravity of the truth that you 
may very well lose their community. Yes. And um, I didn't mind losing my community because (laughs) I started resonating much more deeply with people outside of the evangelical community and starting to feel like I was like a sheep being attacked by wolves. Yes. Um, So I was happy to leave. I didn't feel the pain of that. But I really can't imagine if I was living in a small town, you know, I was like 19 years old losing it. If I was living in a small town, I had been worship leader at my church for 30 years. Everyone, you know, everyone comes to my barbecue every Sunday. Like it's big. If people really lose their community, their Mm -hmm. faith community, you know, like I'm sure sometimes parents just think it almost might be worth it to just ignore this topic so they can just stay in what they know. Right. Right. Because it's true. I mean, um, it's you, most parents that I know will say, well, I'm so concerned about my child, but the truth is they're concerned also about themselves. Yes. Okay. You're concerned about your child. Yes. But you're also concerned about what it's going to cost you Right. And and the church will make it cost you. They will make you pay to challenge them. You will lose community. Very often you will. Yeah. But is that where you want to be? I mean, we, our Aunt Annie and Hannah didn't even live with us when they came out. And the church we had, we could have not said anything. But then who are we? Hmm. Who who are they to us? They, this community that, that calls itself family. And yet we can't even be open about our children there and be safe. Why are we there? That's really what it came down to. And it it became easier and easier and easier to leave. We weren't there long after. So I told a few of the women that I knew intimately, you know, my closest friends there and they're in, in a couple of coffees, you know, women go have coffee to talk about these things. (laughs) And, um, and their answer was the same as if they'd read it in the manual. They said, it's a sin and you can't accept it. I was like, actually, it's my daughter. Thank you very much. And what do you mean I can't accept it? What does that look like? What do I tell her? No, you're wrong. No, I won't have community with you. If you continue to say this about yourself, who then I'm God. That's just, you know, or false God. That's just, it didn't make sense. And, um, and then I told my Bible study and it was like the same thing. And I thought, okay, I've, I've had enough. I'm done. And we just left. I didn't end up talking to the pastor. I didn't have any need to do that. Um, but uh, we left and, you know, I thought it would hurt to lose community. And honestly, it really didn't. It really didn't. There wasn't very much, um, it turned out to lose because it was false. Now, you know, I didn't grow up in that church. Uh, I didn't actually grow up in church, which made it easier. And so I'm, I don't want to diminish the loss that it is for people, but there's, there's stuff on the other side, you know, you may have to move out of your city you grew up in and, and you feel really sad about that, but then you get to the new city and you think, Oh, Wow. I like this. And that's what this community has turned out to be. I wouldn't go back to that, the judging non-affirming community for anything in the world. This community is so loving and wonderful. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I've never thought about this before, but if the child is in a fragmented state because they can't be true to themselves, the parent who longs to love that child through it is also going to be in a fragmented state. Yeah in that community because you'll always have to divide yourself between the secret desire willingness to love your child through this versus the face that you have to put on to please these people that are supposedly your your unconditionally loving family but that love is obviously conditional when it comes to this specific issue and there's almost no other the issue that is this kind of division Right. You know, like Jesus talked about, it's don't get a divorce. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Jesus yeah. said, don't get a divorce, but you don't see divorcees getting booted yeah. on the street of the church. You did. You did in history. 
Right. It used to happen. That was the sin du jour then, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now we're okay with that. And also you want to get a divorce. Yeah. So yeah, we're just, we're okay. Well, with these now. churches that aren't going to be, they're not going to follow society. They're going to follow the Bible. Well, they followed society because society became more affirming of, of divorcees and they realized they couldn't hold that ground anymore. So they're now fine with it. I mean, well, relatively yeah. fine. And let's talk about the narrative that evangelical churches give themselves that they're countercultural. Yeah. That they have to battle against the LGBTQ agenda to be countercultural and live for Jesus, which right. no one else is willing to do. Right. I think watching evangelical straight people put themselves in the position of a victim seat. Right. And by the way, it's, a lot of these people screaming the loudest about it, there's an entire website mm-hmm. of men that have yes. legislated against homosexual like marriage and are like caught having gay sex yes. in their office. Yes. So it's like thou yes. doth protest too much over yes. and over again. That's right. That's like one realm of people, the people that are just trying so hard to fight it because they hate what's going on in themselves. That's I, right. My heart breaks for that. And then there's yeah. another section of people that love pretending they're being victimized. Yes. They have to bake a cake for a couple and they're right. the victim of that. And, so you this, know. Yes. This article I mentioned that I, the, the writer, I won't even give him credit by talking, saying his name, but he said, um, you know, Emily was near suicide. She hate, she couldn't, she was blah, 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 blah because her two of her children, um, you know, are now the other gender, like using the gender of the other. I'm like, the mother's considering suicide because her children are transgender. Do you think maybe this story should start with the viewpoint of the transgender people? <laughs> yeah. Children? Is that maybe more relevant? Then she, they won't do what she wants, so she's suicidal. Okay, something's wrong with that picture. But th- th- there's, there's much more mileage out of her being a victim of her children's being transgender than if it, it said, well, Emily won't get herself together to actually embrace, you know, embrace the idea that maybe her, her children are trans and there's nothing they can do to change that. And so she's going to have to rethink her thinking. It's, it's much easier in a cult of certainty to be the victim than to be the one who is pointed out as, you know, you're not willing to make any movement on this. So yeah, mm-hmm. victim is a very, very uh, convenient role. You know, yeah. it's like the slave master who is a victim because their property ran away and now they're out a lot of money. It's like, I know. Hey, there's another way to view this. <laughs> it's mind blowing. Uh, can I say one more thing? About, yeah, you have a thought, obviously. <laughs> uh, the um, one thing I learned in seminary that was profound is that the Bible was written. At, by an oppressed people as a lament of an oppressed dispersed people mm. who didn't have a place and who were being um, oppressed and enslaved on all sides. And so you have to read it from that perspective or you're reading it wrong. If you read it from the perspective of the enslavers, you're absolutely going to get it wrong. And that's true of everything throughout the Bible. When Jesus talked about um, the least of these, he was talking about the least powerful, the least visible, the least um, rich, you know, the poorest. Uh, You have to be, he always defended them. That's the point of view of the Bible. If you're not looking from that underbelly of the least of these humanity, then you'll get a wrong read. And that's what our, non-affirming churches have done today they're looking from the oppressor's point of view so you know and calling themselves oppressed that's wild i've never thought of it that way before yeah that resonates though that's true yes yeah it's really true (sighs) well i think like the last thing i'd like to talk about is your nonprofit, what you're up to, because now we've addressed why people land here, what kind of pain is caused, what's happening. So now if we have the ears of any like parents that are willing to give this a shot, what does being a mama bear 
look like? What do they get to, you know, what kind of support do they find in that community? Well, let me talk to mama bears and, um, and then I'll talk to the LGBT community that mama bears and, and we use that word, but we mean moms and dads mm-hmm. can, can connect with me and we'll get them on some online support groups where they can really talk openly with other parents who have been there, who have navigated this journey in a, in a loving, um, kind way. We just help people along with their questions and encourage each other. That's what's available to you. And, uh, you know, we have resources. We, we have a mom, I'm gay. We have the book and we have a video course online. That's really powerful to help address all of your deepest theological questions as well as your practical community questions. So I would urge parents to go to freedhearts.org and look at our resources for parents. They're really profound. And I have several books in there. And then I want to say to the LGBTQ community that we have stuff for you. We are uh, rolling out this year our beloved weekends. And that is where we gather together in various cities. And I will help you um, understand how loved and valuable and worthy and perfectly fine as you are, as I can, I will help you understand all that for you. And it's in community with other, you know, people and they're just lively and wonderful. And I'll answer all your questions and, you know, help you deconstruct the toxin that has put, put, put into you. So those weekends are going to be really, really powerful. And then we also have um, stuff for you. We have True Colors, which is a deeply healing workbook for to help you with your your relationship with others, with God as you have been taught God is, and with yourself. It's really profound. And we have a video course that goes along with that. So please make that available to yourself. Everything's on freedhearts.org. And then the Beloved Weekends. You can also go to belovedweekend.com. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Susan, I'm just so grateful for your heart and for the work that you've done and Thank are you. continuing to do. And everyone listening again, I just hope that you found comfort and peace and joy yeah. and love in this mama bear that yeah. is, is happy to take on that role for all of you. And I also pray deeply that this has been a safe enough conversation that you could perhaps share this with whoever it might be that is stuck in this belief system that's having a hard time loving you for who you are. Um, You know, Susan is presenting herself as a safe space for them to go and to not be judged. No one is judging you if there's any parents listening. Susan isn't judging you. She's offering freed hearts and mama bear community as a space for you. And you're not there to attack. You're there to welcome them with open arms. That's right. We do not judge the parents are in there because we've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah. So come and, and we will be glad to share loving community with you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, Please contact Susan, follow them on their socials, get yourself plugged in. And that's it. We love you all. God bless. Yes, we love you all.